0: Hello, welcome to the Comparative Agility Podcast. My name is Simon Hilton, and in this series, we'll be talking with world leaders in agility to help understand how we can make continuous improvement a part of your company's DNA. In this episode, I talk with Jacqueline and Milton Mayfield about their motivating language framework and how it can help teams better communicate the direction their emotions, and their culture. Hello, welcome to the Comparative Digital Podcast. My name's Simon Hilton, and today I'm joined with Jacqueline and Milton to talk about motivating language. We all know that language is a really, really important part of a team, and it's really important for us to understand how we can motivate our team members so we can all improve together. Welcome, Jackie and Milton. How are you? We're doing, We're doing great. great.
1: Thank you. Yes. And
0: thank you for inviting, inviting us. us. Absolutely. No problems. Um, we have, a uh, again, we have a new capability up in the comparative agility, uh, website around motivational language and, uh, just, just I mean, it it seems like some something that people might find really normal, but I mean, what is motivational language to you, and how did it come to, how did you come to this work?
1: Well, I, I'll keep this succinct. Uh, my background is in uh, foreign languages, and then I made a pivot, and I, I went into a, a project management career. Then I made another. P- pivot, and I went back and became a professor in org behavior, and it, it was an aha moment. I read an article by Jeremiah Sullivan early on in my doctoral program, and it's like every I had a goal before I, I went into it, which was what I'd seen in the workplace, especially leading project teams in um, new product development which was the missing piece of why people weren't getting their goals. It can somewhat or largely be attributed to we don't use communication fully. Mm. And a, a lot of times we assume communication is there and, and we have these admirable recommendations. Be open. Yeah. be Listen yeah. carefully. But we have to be more specific and realize that communication motivates and is responsible for ushering in a lot of outcomes that are positive to both the organization, but equally important to the people who are in it, who who create that organization. And the article was an article by Jeremiah Sullivan and... The three mm-hmm. roles of motivational language and milton and i were colleagues in the program then and we talked about it and so we became co-authors and uh, co-partners in life and we've been working on it with other researchers and i, I want to give them a lot of credit too around the world for about 30 years now right and but the I, the main idea is Language co-creates organizational culture. And I, and mm. I, I this really ties in with the whole idea of agility and agile leadership. And we don't fully use the capability language has to inspire people, to help them feel better and bring their whole selves to work, which is, a lot of us compartmentalize ourselves when we go to work, sadly and also uh, to help the organization achieve really key outcomes like performance and uh, customer satisfaction and retention.
0: Yeah, everything you said there, there's so many important words in that that short summary. I mean, leadership, um, motivation, team, communication, all those kinds of things are really understated but still really important parts of any sort of digital transformation. Or even just, you know, team, team environment. Um, how have, have I'm interested to, I'm, I'm really interested when you when I hear that around how important is it from a, I mean, organizational versus a personal point of view to where do you focus on the language? Cause I believe everyone would bring their own way of talking to the organization, but there needs to be also some sort of shared, uh, vocabulary with inside the business of this is how we talk about our values. This is how we talk about our. Um, our, our achievements or our goals, like, ha- where does that intersection happen?
1: It, exactly. Um, there, and motivate, motivating language covers all that in, in, it, it's the hands, heart, and spirit. It, mm. uh, um, academically, people say, uh, direction giving language, empathetic language, meaning making language. We like to, just use hands heart and spirit because that is the foundation of motivating language and and yes it's it it, it's and as a matter of fact it's not just leaders and when i say leaders leading a team i'm talking about anybody in an organization who influences other people not somebody necessarily in a formal manager position. In fact, sometimes we all know people in managerial positions aren't leaders at all. And we've mm. seen some examples of that. Uh, but leaders uh, in, influence um, how others behave. And um, we'll it, it will go through the three parts of motivating language, if you like, and Uh, explain what those mean and how they tie in with your question.
2: Right. And one thing going back to your question, a little different tack, what motivating language does is it does give a shared vocabulary so that everybody Mm -hmm. in the organization can better exchange ideas. And we saw Mm -hmm. this with the training program uh, in Florida hospital that uh, what they did is they is the, the team leaders met on a monthly basis to share ideas, and they were able to help each other with here's how we can do motivating language better, here's how we can use language to improve the hands, the heart, and the spirit. But it gave them a vocabulary, a language, so that they could be more precise. So that mm. if they were talking about something about how do we inc- how do we deal with the turmoil people are going through with, uh, co- with COVID-19, they didn't have to talk about it in vague terms or terms that were different. The ideas that were the same, but terms that were different. Instead, by using the ideas behind motivating language, they knew that's the heart, that's empathetic language. Here's how we can go about uh, improving the situation, helping people, Through this situation, I did this. You might try this as well. So, Mm uh, in so motivating language helps build a culture in two ways. One sort of a top down approach, which is it gives leaders tools to help build the culture and bring the culture together. But then you have a more democratized way, which is since everybody's a more
1: agile way,
2: right? A more Mm -hmm. agile way, since everybody using the same terms, the same language, they they peers can start helping each other out better and communicating those ideas in a much faster way.
1: But uh, other beauty about motivating language is it's a journey, not a destination. Mm -hmm. And it's a date, not a trait. So anybody (laughs) can learn it and anybody can improve. It's not like the big five personality.
0: Yeah.
1: Factors. You're
2: born with it. It. You
1: kind of, well, not completely, but you, you are kind of stuck with them. <laughs> it's, just, <I> agree.
0: <laughs> it's really interesting the way that you talk, because we do also see in the uh, comparative agility tool. Um, uh, one of the bits that I find really m- the most interesting is that we can all agree. Uh, we can all think of something about topics, but one thing that it uncovers is do we all kind of agree about the same things, if you know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah. we can, we, it's that you can actually find within teams that we actually vary wildly in the way that we think about certain topics, whether we feel, for example, uh, let's talk about um our, our, our daily stand up, but one person thinks that's a one, but one person thinks that's a five. Like that variance in what in, in our in our emotion as you're putting it can be Really, really important to understand. way, hey, are we actually on the same page here, or are you having a wildly different experience to me within the same team? So it sounds like this this framework or the or the, the this motivating language can help us provide um, better tools to help people uh, align, to help people kind of empathize as you're putting in it, and ultimately perform better.
2: Yes,
1: absolutely, and 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 also leaders grow. As mm-hmm. a result become better leaders, which is one of the, one of the key outcomes of motivating language, which is kind of when we looked at the data, we were kind of shocked. Uh, Sharbro and some of his colleagues did some studies and, and then there were other studies where they found out that when leader motivating language increased, they, uh, the, the percentage increase in uh, perceived leader competence, in other words, trust in leader, mm. was up about seventy percent. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's so
1: um, huge. And, and, and trust is is so important, especially when you're facing change.
2: Mm. And part of that we found out is when leaders use better motivating language, it can really increase a person's sense of safety in the workplace.
1: Right, psychological safety. Psychological
2: safety, uh, which very simply means that people feel that they're supported in the workplace. If they speak out, they'll be listened to and not punished. And motivating language has a massive effect on psychological safety. In in the U.S., well, uh, sorry, in India, there's basically a one-to-one relationship. For every 10% uh, better motivating language a leader uses, the leader will see 10% increased psychological safety in their followers. In the U.S., it's two to one. So for every 10% increase in motivating language, uh, they can expect their followers to feel 20% safer. In that safety, you're going back to what you were saying about people being uh, uh, able to communicate and say, are we seeing this in the same way? that safety opens that door. So, right. so people mm-hmm. feel safe saying, well, you're seeing it this way, but I'm seeing it this way. If they don't feel safe, they'll just shut up. If they feel safe, then it'll be, we see something different. We need to figure out why and work through it.
1: We, we, mm-hmm. don't, we, we, we don't want to jump. Would you, would you like us to tell you about the three parts? Would that help? I, yeah, I don't be too vague here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we can go straight into it. Absolutely. Let's do it
1: it's it is fairly simple and that's the beauty of it because it can be used for training and um and and here here's the scoop uh and our data tell us this we've been we and others have been collecting data for a long time around the world a whole bunch of countries and collectivist countries individualistic countries um, Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, Turkey, uh, France and Germany and a lot in India and, right. and Mexico. And those are just some. So, mm-hmm. um, the, the hands direction giving language, most leaders use this. This is, yeah. this is just basically what they teach you in professional communication classes. Uh, um, and, and that, Oh, by the way, all these are tied to very strong management and psychology and communication theories and even Aristotelian rhetoric, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into it. Okay? <laughs> I, I don't, I, if, if, if people are interested in that, they'll go to Wikipedia <laughs> shoot, <laughs> shoot us an email, please. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. But, um, but, but, but direction giving language is the nuts and bolts of leadership. It's, goal setting it's um, this is what you're gonna be rewarded for if you mm-hmm. do this you're gonna get it. um, it's here here are your priorities because a lot of yeah. times especially for the people who are working in projects it's like where are my priorities here and they and mm-hmm. they report to different project leaders even and um, how much autonomy you have, um, and it just your basic processes and what resources are available to you. And we find that almost all leaders use some of that. Right. And, oh, and also importantly, some performance feedback. Not, right. not super, it doesn't have to be constructive. Hopefully it is. That's what we strive for mm-hmm. is constructive performance feedback.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and as Shanky said, Pretty much every leader uses this to some level, but there is a range. So some leaders use the bare minimum, while others are more effective at direction-giving language. So even in this area, most leaders can improve on their direction-giving language.
1: Right. It's their journey.
2: Right, Both improve in using it better to get better outcomes, but to make their life easier, too, because a lot of leaders are stumbling around. How do I get these ideas across? And motivating language gives them the compass.
1: Right. Because it's, thank you so much for saying that, Milton. It does because leaders get interrupted all the time at work and they don't always have time to reflect and say, okay, what's, what's the best thing I can say here? Um uh, but we, when we get the second kind of motivating language, the heart or, or the empathetic language, we see a big, drop in leaders using this Mm. and we see incredible results when we look at the data and in the heart um that is like um bonding personally being um horizontal um symmetric with Mm. followers um,
2: dealing with emotion
1: dealing with emotions giving praise a lot of People report they don't, they don't get praised when they actually achieve something yep. or, uh, recognition for achievements and even recognition for personal goals. And let's face it, people come into work. They're, they're whole living human beings. Things happen in their lives. Their dog might die. They might mm-hmm. have on, on the downside, on the upside, they might have won a marathon. And yep. um, a leader who uses uh, the heart really well bonds with recognizing those things, and um, and then the third uh, part of motivating language is absolutely used the least, and it's so important, and it's the whole idea of what you were talking about—a shared vision
0: mm.
1: and purpose. And uh, it aligns a follower's goals with the organizational vision. And you can see it through things like um, job crafting, helping people design their roles to more bring out their personal talents.
2: And we yeah. found that only about half of the leaders out there use the spirit, use meaning-making language. So that means about half the leaders just aren't doing anything to connect follower to the higher purpose to bring them into the organization's broader culture and uh, vision.
1: They're, they're not tapping into it. And also um, it's so important. Um, the spirit really comes to full play when we're talking about change and volatility. Mm. So again, ah. with, with agile leadership, this is really important. For example, especially when a a vision needs to be readjusted and re and communicated and people need to get uh used to it and comfortable with it, meaning making language becomes super important. This is where you fit in. It's inclusive and a lot of times it's conveyed through stories. Stories about our our work lives revolve around stories and stories about organizational heroes and heroines people who went above and beyond positive role models so um it it can be very informal
0: yeah i think these uh as you talk i'm hearing them show up in my own career <laughs> so much. I mean yeah. for me when I when I hear about that direction giving language it's very much I can tell you what to do, when to do it. Um and even then it can like uh I can be unclear in that. I can be very unclear in uh what I want to do, when you want to do it, how I want to communicate it with. But they're still very kind of technical, you know, uh almost logistical things. And it doesn't, while it's very analytical, it doesn't uh, address the emotional state that we're all in every day, exactly as you said. Um, today yeah. I, my kids, sh- I yelled at me or my dog died or, or I just, um, you know, uh, it's my birthday, for example, you know, like it's, you've got oh. to actually think about that in that context because that's what's really driving that person's experience throughout the day and hence their motivation and a lot of other things. So understanding that empathetic side of it, I think is also very important because you're essentially, uh, as I said, I mean that's really what's driving a lot of people most days is, is how they feel and uh, um, yeah. and 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 what that and that also what they'll remember about that. I mean we always talk about how people experience um, not their you know their analysis but their emotions. Like we need to address that as well. But I think that final point you made around uh, the meaning making language and really kind of to me when I heard that I was like just tell me uh, let's align on why we're here. Let's align on. Uh, why this is happening, for example, COVID and all of these things do become very important in, uh, in crafting the experience and motivation of someone, especially in an or self organizing team where we eventually want them to be making decisions and achieving outcomes, um, on their own steam, if you will. And, and this is what drives them.
2: Exactly. If, if you can, if you can tie in your organization's vision, what it's Mm -hmm. trying to do with a person's goals, their personal goals,
1: goals you will
2: will see extraordinary things. and and Mm. With all the tragedy from COVID-19, some of the true heroes that are emerging are the frontline healthcare workers. And Mm -hmm. you hear stories about them because they know. They know exactly we are doing this to try and save lives from this terrible pandemic. And they're going to extraordinary lengths. They are working incredible shifts. They're working mm-hmm. under incredible pressure and a tremendous threat to their health and safety. Yes. Yes. Uh, but because they're engaged, they are, they want to do those kinds of, of, uh, actions. And hopefully the situation won't be dire, as dire in teams as, facing COVID-19. But if you can say we are building this software because it is, it is going to even something as simple as a game for, for mm-hmm. a, a mobile phone, we're doing this to bring joy to people to, to yeah. bring happiness. And if the, if you can align that with the with a, your, your teammates goals, they're going to work harder.
1: And, and there, there are a few caveats uh, about motivating language. Not caveats, but assumptions.
2: Right. Prerequisites. Some, Yeah,
1: yeah you, they're your antecedents, the right, things you, that come before right. you've got to do. Because as much mm-hmm. as we
2: like to say, oh, you yeah. can give a, this rousing speech, <laughs> you can give this incredible talk, and and everything will everything be wonderful will be, and great. Right.
1: I mean, we're not going to do that. Right.
2: To, communication is not everything. It is a huge ingredient, but it's not everything. There are a few things that people have to do To get motivating language to truly work,
1: and 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 we and other people, uh, oh Toby Holmes and um, some other people have tested this out, and it's held up. But tested empirically, you've got to walk the talk. In fact, data that shows in one hospital setting that when you use, you can actually use demotivating language, (laughs) and sadly, but it happens. And, um, right, it was
2: the very first motivating language study, study we
1: did in hospital. And, uh, if, if you don't, you, if your behavior, if you're not, if you don't act, you have actions that match your words. And if you don't have behavioral integrity, you can hang it up. You can yeah. hang the whole thing up.
2: It's better not to say anything. Yeah. Because just it go gets, in the closet. Right. If, like, if you don't have integrity, if you're not walking the talk, Things get worse if you're using strong motivating language. And
1: you have somebody else talk for you. And the other part that's really important, and we we found this link uh, that is super strong with that, is um, listening. Mm -hmm. And you you have to listen. And you, especially, there are two kinds of listening. um, You probably the listeners are aware of this i listening with your head and listening with your heart and listening with your head is sort of active listening and establishing eye contact and even if you have a zoom meeting and um <laughs> because we're we're <laughs> operating remotely a lot these days uh, but but the real powerful form of listening is what's called listening with understanding and that is listening non-judgmentally. Yep. It doesn't mean you have to agree with that. Let's say that somebody on your team has a different viewpoint. You don't have to say, "Yeah, you're right. I, I changed my mind. I'm going down your road." But if you, people unless they do something absolutely horrible deserve a a a level of respect as human beings. They are they are mm-hmm. people of consequence. If you treat people that way in a team they resp- by listening and accepting them, they respond in kind. And, and that's why we found strong links between, um, both motivating language and gratitude, mm-hmm. gratitude toward work and empowerment. In fact, they link together psychological empowerment. So when you talk about self-organizing teams, um, uh, being, able to uh drive themselves toward shared goals there you go you 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 hit that emotion and people have more energy Positive Yeah, energy, a, lot, a right. lot of
0: stuff that you just talked about really made me think for a bit so i mean coming back to your point around integrity i think it is important and um, I think everyone really remembers when someone says something but doesn 't follow through it it's it is it's it there's there's trust that's lost in that in that relationship um and i'm interested in your in 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 your thoughts on when is it it seems to me if you 're using motivati- motivating language it's better to uh deal with the real situation even if it's a even if things are going bad for your team bad for your organization bad for the world it's better for you to lean into the in the truth of that using motivating language than to try to paint a a rosy picture and and not uh and to just kind of not deal with reality um would that be correct or is that what you mean by integrity
1: yes and and because uh, work isn't Having what do what they call them politeness sandwiches, where you have a, <laughs> negative, a negative. You may have comment.
2: heard it using yes. a slightly cruder term, but yeah, you may have heard of it
1: with something we won't say. Yeah,
2: yeah, yet.
0: I know what you mean. But <laughs> but,
1: but, but you, uh, you know you, you've got people and and we we did test that out. It sounds like we're testing out things all the time. Well, we are, and so are other people. You're
0: scientists. We did
1: test life, that. So. Out. <laughs> It's fascinating and uh with negative feedback. People desire negative feedback if it's constructive. Yes. If it's negative feedback that says, Okay, you messed up here, but you know, this is what you can do to make it better. Not yeah. not you're a terrible writer, you're a terrible mm. coder, you're I mean, where does that leave somebody?
2: Yeah. I mean, and we can, give, we can give a real life example of what you're talking about. Uh, and, and also show how using all three parts of motivating language really reinforce each other. Thank because, you, Milton. Right. Cause you do, you'll get the best results when you use all three. And
1: that's the other caveat. You have right. to use all three at different times.
2: Right. It, there's, there's this company, fabulous company that calls cytokinetics in, in mm-hmm. California, in the U.S. and California, and they're, Mission is to test out drugs, to develop drugs for uh,
1: ALS, for ALS, heart failure that that the real profit hungry uh, big pharma just won't fund because there there aren't enough sick people.
2: Right, and no. so so they and I'm just giving a quick background, but their their position is they're a small enough company they can take on. Riskier tests because they don't have as much overhead, Uh, and they partner. Then, when they bring a a drug to a certain level, then they partner with one of the big companies and get a cash infusion in the profits that way. Mm -hmm. Well, they had been working on, and if I remember right, it's an ALS drug. It was an ALS drug. An ALS drug for three years, five years. This was one of their big pillars for the company. And everybody was really excited because all the early tests showed a lot of promise. And then they got up to the next stage of testing. They had gotten an initial round of funding from one of the big companies, and that drug did not work out. So the CEOs had to go and tell everybody because, as, as in a lot of high-tech companies, a lot of people had uh, uh, stocks in the company as part of their compensation. So yeah. it not only meant a, 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 a hit and this isn't working out, but it's a monetary hit. So the CEO talked to everybody. He used meaning-making language. He used the spirit to remind everybody, here's what we're trying to do. We know it's not always going to work out, but we're trying to make the world better by mm. helping people with these diseases.
1: We focus on patients.
2: And he, and he also used the heart, empathetic language to... To just straightforward acknowledge that I know this is a real blow. And I know it's a blow both monetarily, but it's also a blow in that everybody working for that company was really committed to the idea. A lot of them joined because they had friends and family that had heart disease or ALS. And then for direction giving, he laid out, here are our next steps. This drug did not work out, but we have these other two or three in the pipeline. And so what we're going to do is here's how we're going to redeploy our resources. Here's how we're going to move forward. And that worked. Uh, And here's
1: how you link into it.
2: Exactly. And what could have been devastating news, what could have been news because this is a smallish at the time it was a smallish company. It could have been news where people said it's not worth it. I'm leaving those people. When those people leave, then they lose a lot of the intellectual capital. That could Mm -hmm. have been the end of the company. But it wasn't. Instead, it made it stronger. The people that were there recommitted to the new drugs uh, to develop finding new possibilities beyond the ones that were in the pipeline. And it it, it wound up with they did find a drug that has been able to help ALS. Uh, I don't think anybody left after that incident. I don't think anybody left for like two or three years. And then they started having some retirements in there. Uh, But it did but by addressing it straightforwardly, as you were saying, and by using motivating language, all three parts they were able to take this negative situation and turn it into something that was engaging and motivating for the people. Mm.
0: And, and their, their stock there is sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. That their, their stocks are doing wonderfully today, and, and their <laughs> drugs are either <and> great. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, because the right companies are going. to. say well we've got to fund ourselves okay they did
2: and some of those drugs have gotten approved i don't know if they're on the broader market yet or not but they've gotten through fda approval if they're not on the market they're about to come out so they will be able to help these people that are suffering from als
0: and and when you i believe when you're open about that you also invite people to bring their solutions to the table um Okay, we're in this spot. This is where things are going. This is our plan of attack. It all opens the door to a, well, this is how we can help. This is how we can improve our part of the business to to join on that, um, on that uh, uh the spirit part of the conversation. So I think that's yeah. uh, what you just laid out there would be a great way I think to respond to a crisis from a leadership point of view, and it's something that I'll have to take note of myself. Um, <laughs> and uh, another point you brought up before was um about uh um what I thought about was non-attachment. Um one I was actually having this conversation the other day when when we are, we are listening to other people it actually helps not to when new things come up to not attach ourselves to an uh a position or an outcome too quickly because that uh in some ways inhibits you from listening to others. Um uh right. it, it's it's completely possible for you to have two or three different points of view existing in your head at the same time, as long as you haven't overcommitted too much to one in, in, in uh, internally. Um, and I think that's just a good practice. Would you, would you agree with that, that, you know, committing to a point of view too early inhibits you from, uh, uh, learning and, and taking on others' points of view?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and also, um, uh, yeah, perspective taking. Yeah. Um, in, in other words, being a good leader, we're not psychotherapists, mm-hmm. and um, it, 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 we, we it's we can't completely put ourselves in another person's shoes, and for mm. uh, for a lot of reasons, it may not be in uh, not that good therapists would either, but uh, it 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 may not be for their own good. It. it It's not a way to resolve problems. Uh, We we can understand, we can accept, we can look at multiple viewpoints and, and then we can um, drive to make things better. And the other thing is the emotional labor involved because Mm. when I talk about emotional labor, it's the stress, right? The psychological stress that we all have from interpersonal relationships. And if, if a leader is completely immersed in her or his people and what's going on in them, they're going to be burned out. Uh, so it, it it's, it's an art. It's a journey, not a destination to learn how to care, to be compassionate, but to keep that, that openness and a little bit of distance there.
2: Right, and it's, it's a major part of active listening because and a lot of times...
1: And listening with acceptance.
2: Right. Right. Listening with acceptance. And, and Because a lot of times when you get into conversations, you're already attached. You already have formed an opinion. Right. And, and what you have to try and do then... And it's very difficult. I mean, I'm not going to say this is easy. But otherwise, it comes across as being glib. But what you have to do is while you're listening to that person, try and suspend... Your own judgment about the idea as much as possible and try. And what that does is one, you may actually realize that you were wrong, that the other person has the better point of view than you do. But even if not, even if at the end of the conversation you go, no, I'm still right, uh, by, by listening with compassion, by active listening, by suspending your judgment you will probably have a better idea of where they are coming from why do they have that point of view and you will also probably pick up some value in what they are saying and if you do that again even if you in the conversation or in the interchange still feeling like your point of view is right or your point of view is the better one you can better work with that person you can better you you can better see How can I use motivating language to help this person uh, uh, use the better point of view,
1: or or at least find a middle ground, right? uh, And and not see things so uh, in such a polarized way, right?
2: Right. But it is—it's very difficult, and it's something that is good when you've had an intense conversation to sort of look back and see: Was I truly listening? to that person or was I was I listening to my own thoughts? Was I trying to figure out how do I defend my own position and yeah. think about what we can do better next time.
1: And and and, and, and have us I agree with what you said completely. and, and have a strategy to refresh yourself. Even mm-hmm. I mean even if it's going and looking at um, silly videos that make you laugh right. or reflection. <laughs> working out
2: support group because it takes a lot of energy to listen that way and I think it's also good to be honest with yourself how much can you do that in a day right and how much can you do that in a row it may be that I can spend 15 minutes listening like this then, then right I need to go watch uh, puppy videos for 5 minutes then I can go in and I can do it again or
1: go play Duolingo I mean that's <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah. good but but I, that, that leads us What are you gonna
0: say? I'm over enthusiastic. Oh, absolutely. I think I, I've uh, I think I've uncovered your secret uh, habits there, haven't I? With the puppy videos. That's awesome. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we're more kitty folks, but we try oh, and give okay. a balance. Gotcha. <laughs> we gotcha. Appreciate dog. Yeah. We're
1: not
0: dog. No, I think I think I think that's a, a, a leadership skill anyone can develop there. And I think one thing that you said was is often understated is um, considering that you may be wrong, um, considering that, yeah. you know, you. Ha- I've drawn a judgment from, and usually this happens from I've got, this is all my experience and this is all my skill and all my knowledge of my, let's say, 20, 30 years in the industry, therefore I must be right. But as we all know, the world is an increasingly volatile and uncertain place. Things are happening that have never happened before in technology, in health and things like that. So I think there is always a space for leadership to consider what information don't I have? And that's where listening to people who are closer to the problem, people on the front lines, whether they're in customer support, whether they're in a hospital or something like that, is a crucial and uh, valuable source of information into that decision-making um, process for a leader. So it's certainly one where we do need to have our, our eyes and ears open. Um, we may arrive at the same conclusion, but if we don't even... Uh, listen to that information with with uh, an, with open ears. Then we're probably uh, ultimately doing a disservice to ourselves and to our teams.
1: And and uh, absolutely. And and here's the cool thing that just happened in the past year: a researcher, uh, Doreen Hanke, uh, she's a, a a new professor, has found out that especially in more collectivist cultures and in the U.S. Is, and I, Australia probably to a, a somewhat of a degree, we're individualistic. But mm-hmm. in uh, even in those cultures, motivating language can be used by peers with each other in a team. And what she found out in her study, she did studies between the United States and India That even in the United States, uh, peer motivating language just Mm. between the teachers, uh, could increase performance and job satisfaction and, um, organizational commitment. Right. And in India, it was really surprising. And of course, that's more of a, a, a group oriented type of culture, collectivist culture, yep. she found out that only could it do that, um, but it reduced absenteeism and mm-hmm. it substituted for motivating language. It, it, it had a, uh, an amplifying effect. If mm-hmm. the leader used motivating language and the people on the team used it with each other, that it, that that made it stronger between all
2: parties. Right. So so going back to, to some of your examples, what, what this really opens the door for is we've known for a long time that formal leaders can improve things by using better motivating language. And, and even informal leaders, you don't have to be somebody that's named the manager can use motivating language and improve things. What this is saying is it goes beyond that. It's that when you have a team of folks that feel safe enough to work with each other closely, uh, mm. For freely, when you have people that feel empowered to help each other out, then the, that the, listen
1: to each other, right?
2: That listen to each other, then yep. just the the comrades, the the people in the team can use motivating language to help each other out. They might say, "Here's a, a use and, hands to say here's a here's a way that you can better use Scrum on this project." They might provide uh, uh support through the heart. They might help remind each other about the the goals through uh, spirit, but that uh, the leader can help set the culture in the team so that it will open it up for everybody to help each other out through motivating language.
1: It's exactly. I mean, it's it's contagious
2: because mm-hmm. right, people yeah. will model what the leaders doing, the leaders using. Better motivating language, then they'll use it with each other.
1: And here I go again. I sound like a broken record, but we <laughs> ran a study on it. And it's as <laughs> contagious a, in a positive way as COVID-19 is in a negative way. Yep. Uh, when, you have, when you have a top leader in an organization that uses high motivating language, up to about 75% of all level leaders in that organization will start using it. And why shouldn't the peers start using it too? Why shouldn't team members, they hear it. And it, and it promotes a shared vision with everybody. And I'm running at the mouth and I know we're running out of time. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I think it's really important that that, that, that last point, because um, it, it sounds like it does create a reinforcing positive loop. In, uh, and that cascades yeah. throughout the business. And that can only be, uh, beneficial for, uh, improving morale, improving communication and ultimately, uh, improving the culture of, of a, of a, yeah. um, of an organization, which we all know is an, is, is, is a living, breathing thing that can, that needs to be, uh, nurtured and, uh, yeah. can provide amazing benefits and, uh, outcomes everyone involved but so much uh thank you so much for your time today um there will be a motivating language capability available on the comparative agility website but i i certainly learned a lot today and i'll be hopefully using some motivating language with my team to uh to uh use that hands hearts spirits mindset i'll be thinking about that for a lot today um but really appreciate you coming on the podcast and thank you for everything jackie and milton
1: thank you so much much simon yes. you did a great job and we loved your questions yes
0: excellent. and,
1: and we'd love to sharing your experiences too yes we do. thank
0: excellent. you and, and where where would people find your your work online
1: email us uh, and we'll, we'll we love to share data we just don't want to beat you over the head with it jackie.mayfield at gmail.com and i'll say it again jackie j-a-c-k-i-e dot mayfield m-a-y-f-i-e-l-d at gmail.com and you want empirical results we'll give them to you
2: right you can also find our work uh in a lot of articles most folks can find it through google scholar but yeah. those tend to be academic uh and so if if you want more uh concrete uh, uh, stuff you can feel free to contact us if you want to dive into the academic research Uh, Like I said,
0: search on Google Scholar and
2: then ask us any questions that you have.
1: We'll learn from you.
0: Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much and have a great day. You You too. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.